coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I talked to the president of the Kids Safe Foundation, discuss how to get kids involved in shooting sports, and shoot the shit about gun storage solutions. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. And as always, he has made his return. Back the big the man chair. across the table. Big Keith is in the house. Man, it was weird listening to that episode without me being here. I I, I apologize, but uh, you know, had a had some family stuff that took precedent. Uh, everything's all good. But man, I miss being here with you, buddy. It was very strange. I think when I did that intro and everything, and I l- literally looked across and I'm like, it's an empty chair. It's weird. That was the first episode. We haven't been together. No, uh, it, you know? it was bonkers. Yeah. So how's everything going? Everything's going good, man. I had a, you know, traffic court tonight. That was wonderful. You boo. know, boo. And I uh, paid my donation to <laughs> keep my points off my license. <laughs> you know, um, All right. All right. Uh, everything else is good though. But you you've been shooting a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I have been shooting a little bit. Actually, I'm, I think we're gonna talk about one of our segments tonight. But yeah. I've been been shooting a little bit with my kids. And, yeah, that's uh, cool. Um, I was out shooting trap a couple. What about what, a week? A little over a week ago, I, I skeet. I'm sorry, I shot some uh, skeet. Cool. And uh, gotta get back reloading but i'm running out of supplies man i've uh, i've been so except for the diversity shoot that we did which was a, a ton of fun right i mean let I me tell you for 20 bucks that's the coolest shoot you can yeah, do for 20 bucks yeah, if you get to go to tony, tony Simon. simon's diversity shoot for 20 dollars, just go just take my word for it just go, go. it's a good material good 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 uh conversation that yeah. was a great time awesome uh, so let's just uh, kind of reach out to the people out there listening. And guys, uh, if you're out there, you know, we've been asking, but, you know, we're trying to build a little bit of a movement here and it would help us out a lot if you could do just the following three things. Uh, go on to thegunexperiment.com and join our mailing list. You'll get a little pop-up. It's also at the bottom of the uh, home screen. And then uh, if you could leave us a five-star review and a comment, and the comment is the important part. I want to be able to read them on the air. On Apple Podcasts, that would be great. If you don't listen on Apple, I get it. Um you're not as woke as I am. I, but. I mean, it, the comment really does. <laughs> yeah, right. The comment does really help push us up in the algorithm it, too. It right? does, I, and and honestly, like we joke about it, but it is nice to kind of hear feedback. Yeah, right. That's like true. I, I that's like true. to hear the feedback. Well, so. I don't know anything about algorithms other than the word. Yeah, and that it actually there's algorithms yeah. out there. It's mathematical. It's mathematical, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And then finally, if you could follow us on Instagram and Facebook, if you want to do Twitter, that's fine, but you're just going to get the same stuff that I'm putting on Instagram. So just Instagram and Facebook. Um, speaking of comments, you want... I, I just read the name. Can I just read the name? You <laughs> can just, read the re- review. But yeah, we do have a review. Go ahead, Keith. Read the name. Just a hoodlum who loves guns by Hoodlum 7D. <laughs> hoodlum, I uh, you reached out to me. I think it's a great name. Uh, so this is what uh, Hoodlum 7D wrote. Hey, so I heard about this podcast from Gun Gear Reviews with Tony. Dove right in because I had nothing else to listen to, and it talks about guns. Spent most of the day listening to these guys talk about custom 1911s that are not up my alley, (laughs) but are very interesting to listen to. I, uh, quote-unquote, assembled ARs and just love shooting. Let's just say this is going to be my new at-work podcast until I get through this catalog, but we'll definitely be looking forward to listening. Yes, I do have a YouTube channel where I just review stuff <laughs> and I, that I like that I like and build. These guys are way cooler and deserve every second of it. Thanks for another great podcast to get me through the long days in the Texas heat. If you're ever in Texas, hit me up. I'll go shooting with you guys. Thanks for one great podcast. Well, thank you. Oh, and that's cool. That's yeah. Great. Thanks for the invite. And wherever yeah. in Texas, we'll hit you up. I, li- I don't know very many people from Texas, so this is a real one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, one last piece of business before we get cracking here, and that is our show sponsor. So we are sponsored by Resurgent Arms. Um, you've heard it all before. I just can't speak yeah. enough good things about them. Um, just a great company, great customer service good products for just go the, check out their products yeah good products and, uh, and buy some yeah and, and use uh, our uh, discount code please yep, 12% off with our discount code gun experiment 12 thanks will thanks will appreciate it buddy you ready to do this i'm ready let's do it all right let's do it our guest tonight is the president and founder of the kids safe foundation a leader in the state of oregon and the nation in regards to children's firearm safety since 2015 the foundation has reached over 
22,000 kids and teaches them life-saving skills on what to do if they encounter a firearm. Please welcome Derek LeBlanc to the show. Derek, how are we doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Did I get the name right? Is it LeBlanc? Yeah, it's Derek LeBlanc, and it's it's Oregon, not Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm from New York, so... New um, York, yeah. Exactly. Derek, do you get asked if you're related to Matt all the time? Unfortunately, yes, I do, and I don't claim that. He's kind of a disgrace. <laughs> yeah, we're a little bit more intelligent than he is. At least uh, I like to think so. I, I hear you, I hear you. So listen, take us back to 2015. Um, what made you decide that teaching kids firearm safety was to be your life's work. It's noble, by the way, it's a noble calling. Well, I appreciate that. So my, you know, my, basically my story started in 2013 um, when I was, I was put in a dangerous situation where I was unarmed and I was actually saved my, by my girlfriend at the time with my pistol grip shotgun. And from that, that point, it kind of changed my direction and I became an NRA certified instructor. And from at the beginning of my career as an instructor, I realized that I was working to, with parents who were new to guns and I was potentially exposing their kids to an accident inside the home. Um, you know, so in early, you know, late 2014 is when I started looking at programs. Um, there was one by the NRA, but I was concerned, you know, being from Eugene, Oregon, you know, how well received it'd be. So I, I set out to kind of design my own. And so, you know, about two years of hard development and we became a nonprofit in 2016 and, and now we're off to the races. Uh, let, let me just kind of, uh, Break that down a little bit. Yeah, so, I, I so, want to talk a little bit about so that. So you were in this, yeah, this incident happened. Yes. You don't have to go into too much detail if you don't want to, but was this, a, like, were you in a home? Was it, were you out in public? What was the situation? Oh, so basically, it was, a, it was a scary situation. So basically, it was on a Sunday morning. I was going to work. And typically, you know, where I live, I, I take my gun with me, you know, just just in case. Because, you know, there's there's high crime rate. There's lots of drugs, drug abuse in the area. And so on that morning, it was a Sunday morning, I, I left my gun on my kitchen counter with my coffee as I went to just warm up my vehicles about, you know, 4.30 in the morning. And it was when we set the clocks ahead an hour. So luckily my, my iPhone updated me, but the, you know, unfortunately the perp, he didn't get that, that wake up. So, <laughs> you know, basically what had happened is I, I, I left, as soon as I, I left my threshold of my door, I thought to myself, I should have my gun. Mm. And I just kind of, you know, I just put it, put it aside. And I just went out and I went, hit my transponder. Um, as I unlocked the door, I noticed there were some feet exiting the rear passenger window of my truck. So there was somebody that was inside of my vehicle you know, he dove out. And so I immediately ran around the hood of my truck. He was getting up. And so he was pretending like he was a CSI. He's like, I noticed your window was broke out. I thought I'd check it out for you. I didn't fall for it. I immediately swept his legs. I did a little judo throw, ended up, I had a full mount on him. And so that's when the fight began. And that's where it was very terrifying because I didn't know if I had a needle or knife or any kind of weapon that potentially could hurt me. Uh, and so we, you know, the fight began. And so, you know, as we're struggling for position, you know, I was calling for my girlfriend at the time to, to get my gun, to get my gun, to get my gun. And, and so, you know, we fought on the ground for almost 10 minutes um, until she finally came out with that pistol grip shotgun. And, and that's where he gave up and we called 911. Wow. And uh, so it's a, it's a prime example of why our guns are so relevant in our everyday society. If, if used properly, we didn't have to fire a shot, but it was just that muzzle that, you know, you know, caused him to, to surrender. So uh, this is something, uh, man, you, you, you're throwing a lot out here. That's like really intriguing me. Um, so I'm a, I, I train a little bit of, um, martial arts and you mentioned like uh -huh. full mount, all that stuff, judo throw. Mm -hmm. Um, I just find that interesting because we just had on a guest before you, uh, coach Tony Blower. I don't know if you know who he is, but I, I can mm -hmm. see where people listening to our podcast would say, why did you have this guy on the psychology of fear and hand to hand fighting? Like, why did you have him on a show about pot, uh, firearms podcast? But you're kind of like, man, like talk about like kind of proving my point of like how you have to have these multiple skills because you never know what's going to happen. You know, like you didn't have your gun on you in this case. It sounds like you're somewhat of a, somewhat of a skilled fighter. And it sounds like that actually came in handy. Absolutely. And it was, it was obviously, it was a way for me to, you know, obviously escalate, but then deescalate that situation because I had to keep control. Yes. And fortunately it was the way, you know, I, I was just quick and overwhelming and I, you know, he, he didn't know what hit him. Um, way to but, be decisive. You know, he, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't think about it. I just reacted. And, and so 
you know, from that, you know, luckily it was, it was the way I, I put him on the ground that enabled me to end up on top of him because if I would have been on the bottom and it was a little bit more difficult for me. So, you know, Portugal, you know, I had weight on him. I, you know, I was quite, a, he was a meth head. And mm-hmm. so I had, you know, probably 40 pounds on him and I was able to, you know, hold two of his hands down with my right hand. And that's when I was going to the body with my, my left, I was going to left hook to the, the body in the rib area. And, and so at that point he rolled, I mean, he had enough of that because, you know, I was, I was pretty aggressive. And at that point he rolled over on his stomach and that's when I, you know, I, I had his back and up from the, the top and, you know, that's when I continued to kind of keep control of that situation. Wow. Well, men- mental note, don't mess with Derek. <laughs> right. <laughs> D- Derek, did your, um, did your girlfriend ever have, like, does she have experience with guns or was this like her first moment where she had to pick one up and, you know. Absolutely not. You know, yeah. we had a we had a pistol grip shotgun in the house, um, just just for defensive purpose. And you know, wasn't even didn't even have a round in the chamber. You know, she'd never even she knew where I kept it. And you know, and so you know, she just grabbed it instinctively after hearing me, you know, yelling yep. for help. Good and, for her. And so she, you know, she came around the hood of the truck with the pistol grip. The pistol grip allowed her to control that muzzle as she was calling nine one one. And, you know, so the cops came about eight minutes later. So about 20 minutes of this whole ordeal lasted. And I just wish I could have been there to see what the conversation was like with you and the cop. Yeah. <laughs> you got this guy. up. Oh, dude, they were they were they were amazing because, you know, they they I mean, they were very professional, but I could tell they wanted to give me a chest bump because you know, <laughs> they were you know, they always see the aftermath of these these guys do what they want to do to to people. And they never see kind of a good person end up on top of the situation. Yeah. And, and so, you know, from that, I became a gun rights advocate. And obviously I became an instructor and obviously we started the, the nonprofit. So as much as that was a kind of a terrifying experience, it really was a blessing. Yeah. Turned into where you're at today. What's, what's your earliest memory of guns do, uh, were they around you growing up? Did your, your parents? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm very blessed that my father, you know, obviously my father started, with a, a Daisy Red Rider, I lived rurally growing up, and so, you know, my my dad started me with a Red Rider at four, and then a, a twenty eight gauge uh, Remington Wingmaster pump action at five, you know, which I still use those those shotguns in my class every day just to kind of, you know, talk about my father and and how, what you know what kind of gift that he gave me when it comes to our firearms and the love for firearms, and so. It's a way to remember my 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 father, but also teach the kids very important skills. Very cool. Very, very cool. Sounds a lot like how we, you know, yeah. we all kind of get involved, a lot of us, right? So um, so you start the program. You said you spent a couple of years developing it. And I mean, obviously, this is no small undertaking, right? I mean, you, I'm sure you wanted to do it right. You put some love and care into building this program. Uh, do you have any success stories that you can point to where the program avoided tragedy? I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's... There's probably many, but if you could just share a couple of maybe your favorite stories. Well, there's, 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 there, you know, part of what we do is we talk about firearm safety. You know, we talk about the acts of prevention. We also talk about video games and, and video game violence and the dangers there. But we also talk about anti-bullying. And, you know, part of that is we're, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to teach our kids to be, you know, strong kids because these are going to be the future leaders of our country. And, and so a, a really kind of powerful moment for me is I was teaching, there was 41 Cub Scouts in a class one night. And so I was teaching to them and we we're talking about the anti-bullying, you know, what we we're going to do if we're ever put in a situation where we're bullied. And, and so about a month passed by after that class and I got an email from one of the mothers and, you know, she was talking about her son that took that class. And I remember that, that, that kid vividly from that class and she had mentioned how he was being bullied at school. And luckily he remembered those tools that we had taught him in the class. And at that, you know, he, because he was being bullied, you know, and his bully actually threatened to bring a gun to school to take care of him. And so mm-hmm. luckily, you know, she got involved, the, you know, she called law enforcement and they actually found a gun in the backpack on the way to school. And wow. that was, you know, wow. that was in middle school, about 20 minutes from my home, you know? Wow. So, you know, it's, it's the stories that we don't always hear, but then, you know, I, you know, we hear a lot of stories about, you know, my kid did this, my, you know, and, and a lot, a lot of it is a testament to what we're doing. You know, we're trying to put out a positive message and, and show the public, you know, that our guns are not scary and there's nothing to be afraid of if, if used properly. And, and you can see through our, our Instagram page that we're having kids at five and six years old that are, are shooting rimfires and they're doing it safely. They're doing it repetitively. And, 
And and these guys are are going to be the future of, of of the shooting sports. Yeah, I mean, I can't. So a couple of things, I can't I can't agree more. Um, you know, I was saying to Keith earlier, you know, we're we're not going to win the battle for the second amendment with, you know, old fat white guys, you know, like that's not gonna, yeah. it's, it's, you know, we've talked about this before in the show, you know, women are the fastest growing demographic, but obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you want to get kids involved. If it, if it dies out after a generation and it's no longer seems relevant to the next generation, that's how you lose your rights. So I, first off, I think that's amazing. You touched on video games and this is an area where, you know, we talk about school shootings, we talk about, you know, teenage violence and, Man, I've gone back and forth with this. You know, it's like on one hand, I grew up playing video games, never affected me. I never shot anything up. I never was violent. But, you know, I do see kids who are constantly playing kind of shoot 'em up games. What is your, what do you talk about? And do you feel that there is a correlation between video games? Do you think it's more just parent responsibility? What's your take on that? Well, absolutely. And I, th- I think what's, what's, what's being missed in our conversation right now when it comes to our gun rights is, is we're not talking about the Nerf guns that are, I mean, we have a faster cyclic rate every, every year. We have a longer effective range on those Nerf guns, you know, which basically we're militarizing our young kids. And then we, you found, you take that one step further to the video games and, you know, there's, there's scientific studies that prove that, you know, at a young age, that the video games are, are causing our kids to be more aggressive. They're also desensitizing them to violence. You know, obviously we, I, I grew up in a different area where we didn't necessarily have video games. Um, but you know, with high definition t- TV, the way the, the video games are, and it's, it is very, uh, you know, counterproductive to young minds. And so what I am advocating, you know, to parents is make sure those games are age appropriate and, you know, make sure, you know, that we're talking to our kids and make sure they understand that, you know, what happens in that video game is, is not real. And, you know, you'd be surprised how many kids I see at like five and six years old that are experts on AR 15s because of call of duty. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, I mean, I do somewhat agree, but I also, I mean, Nerf guns have gotten way cooler. Oh yeah. Way cooler. My my kids got quite a collection for sure. And, um, they, I mean, they're, they're like pull They're a trigger wild. automatic. Now. I have a belt. You know? My son has a belt fed. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I kind of love it. You know, they, I want one. They got batteries now. Yeah. They're like fully automatic. Yeah. You just press a button and they start firing. Yeah. So I, but Derek, the one thing I do like, you know, I grew up and this is where I kind of like, I'm like, I hem and haw a bit. I grew up watching Rambo first blood and like my dad and I watched it. I was yeah. probably in, I mean, maybe junior high. I mean, I feel like maybe yeah. even younger, you know, yeah, like probably younger. and well, you're old, so maybe I am old. Yeah, <laughs> but well, so no, that's a that's a valid point. But one thing I'm talking about my video games is 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 one thing we have to realize as parents is from two to seven, our kids engage in what's called magical thinking, where they they don't have enough life experience, they don't have enough maturity, and they're getting the information from their environments, which is either you know social media it could be you know violent media, it could be violent TV, you know, and 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 the Nerf guns and airsoft guns. So that you know that tends to make them. You know, desensitize them to violence. And I, I have no problem with the Nerf guns, airsoft guns, if we use them properly, because we can use it, we can use them as tools to teach our kids, you know, you know, about trigger discipline, muzzle discipline, we can put up targets, you know. I was so, hoping that's where you were going to go with that. Cause that's really, absolutely. you know, as a, as a, as parents, that's kind of the responsibility. I know, I know that's the, re, that's the message that I have with my son about them is, you know, I'll, I'll tell a story. We were out on the front porch one day and he had one of his toy guns and he innocently was muzzle, he didn't have good muzzle control with people that were just walking in the neighborhood. Now it's a toy gun, but I noticed him have terrible muzzle control. And I, I pulled him aside. I was like, listen, you know, I know you know it's fake, and but you can't be pointing a gun at someone else, even though it's a toy, if they are not playing with you. If right. they don't have a toy too, right. and you're the not rules playing, of engagement aren't there. Right. If you're not having a, you know, if one of the next door neighbors and you're having a Nerf war, fine. But, you know, these people are randomly walking up the street and they see some, you know, little kid coming out on the front porch and pointing a gun at him. I was like, buddy, you can't do that, you know? Right, right, right. So I, I hear what you're saying, Derek. I, I agree with that. While I was preparing tonight, I, I had read something you had said, and I'm not sure if it's an original quote. You can tell me about that, but I've been giving you credit for it, so I hope it is. But uh, you, you said we can't legislate responsibilities, and uh, it really kind of hit home for me when I read it. And and can you tell our listeners a little bit about what that meant to you and, what, and why you really said that? So what I what I think I meant, what I said, I think that was a post I did today was, is I can't, we can't legislate morality or evil intent. And, and so, you know, that, that, that being said is, is there's a big, 
you know, our rights are, you know, constantly under attack. It's, you know, I don't know how big you guys are in the gun movement, but it's, it's exhausting. Well, we're behind enemy lines. We're in New York. Yeah. And and, uh, so, so are we, you know, we just had a secure storage bill go into effect the other day, which is just a nightmare. And, you know, and so, you know, my biggest thing is, is, is we cannot legislate morality or evil intent. You know, bad guys are still going to come in contact with firearms. They're still going to do bad things. And another thing that we should, we should really focus on is, is, you know, and I got this quote from a friend of mine is, is my banning my guns will never stop a single gun crime. Right. And, and it's a most, it's a brilliant quote because, you know, none of these new bills and on these new laws, they're trying to throw it up at the wall to see what sticks will affect a criminal because a criminal is still going to do bad things. So it's interesting, you know, and I, I guess I'm, I'm, I may put you a little bit on the spot here, but in, okay. it was an interview from, uh, I don't remember what the date was that I was reading. And in that interview, after along with this quote of you can't legislate responsibility, you talked about how if written well by experts in a second amendment uh, realm, you know, legislation could advance uh, the needle in the second amendment movement. And I'm really struggling with second amendment legislation that could advance the movement. Honestly, I, I, I couldn't think of one. Mike and I talked a little bit about it um, before we, we uh, had you on and uh, you know, we came up with some ideas. I mean, I want you to give us an answer, but that's really where that's kind of coming from. And I, I just can't okay, think of so- now I remember. Now I now I know what you're talking about. So, and I that, still love the quote, um, Derek. I like you can't legislate responsibilities. I like it. You know, I I agree with it. But this next part about you know good legislation, if written properly, I'm like, what do you mean by that? Uh, let me let me fill you in. Um, so that in, in that situation, that was kind of a motivational piece uh, for me to kind of reach out to other experts in the field mm-hmm. to to get them to put their pen, pen to paper. See, I see. I wrote legislation in 2019 that would authorize our program in all the first grade for public schools in the state of Oregon. Yeah. Out of all the legislation submitted that year, you were one of like what two that were actually heard. Right. So congratulations for that. Yeah, it was huge. There was 37 anti-gun bills and then there was us. And, and so, you know, we got a public hearing, you know, we, we set kind of a precedence here in Oregon, we opened up a national dialogue when it comes to the firearm safety for our children. And so right now I'm talking with, you know, the state of Hawaii, state of Missouri, Oklahoma. So there's other states that are interested in what we're doing. So you were referring to your movement. You were referring to, you know, education for kids and making legislation more behind that. Absolutely. Okay. And and I was just trying to, I guess, motivate others to, you know, do the same, right? Like, like if I'm I, my next bill that I'm kind of working, I'm kind of toying around and I'm figuring out the verbiage is it be a constitutional carry state or state law for, for the state of Oregon, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, is, is, you know, without us pinning to paper legislation, the other side continues to just take, 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 right. And, and we call it incrementalism, right? So they're going to take little bits and pieces until it's a huge swath of our rights. And well, so I think that's where like Keith was a little confused is like normally like anytime there's legislation, we think of anti. Yeah. Like, maybe it's because uh, of where we live. Maybe, maybe you know, <laughs> but like, well, no, and I totally get that. But the, the, the thing is, is we're all experts. Why do we, why do we always let the other side dictate what, what freedoms we want to surrender? Because we believe that we should all have a right to our own opinion and they believe that, that we should be forced to believe their opinion. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what I would love to, I, what I would love to see is I would love to see them spend money on defensive bills as opposed yeah. to us always having to be defensive. Yeah. You know, if we go yeah. on the offensive, we take them out of their, out of their talking points, out of their narratives. And so that was the whole point of that conversation was a way to, you know, maybe influence others to say, Hey, I can do this in my state. This is, this is an ordinance or this is not something that I like in my state. I have some experience and, and this is how the process works. And, and, you know, I, I, I literally wrote this bill, Senate bill 801 on a Sunday afternoon on, in a coffee shop on my iPad, the day that I got this finished, there was a kid that died 20, 20 miles from my house. Wow. And, and so, you know, you talk about divine intervention and God telling me to get this done. It was, it was after it was the fact, that. Uh, but you know, that was just a, it was a wake up call 
And, you know, so then we just worked the process and, you know, I got some, some friends that knew how Salem worked and we went up there and, you know, we just showed goodwill and, and we, we moved, we moved the, you know, I had bipartisan support, you know, and I, it, that's a great answer. And I was nervous about asking the question, you know, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of our job, right. To feel like we're asking tough questions, mm-hmm. but I didn't see that perspective. I didn't see that side of it. And that makes perfect sense. And I, I guess I kind of thought we must be talking about restricting the Second Amendment, not that we're talking about advancing, you know, rolling back or advancing or putting good safety measures in for kids. So, oddly enough, you. oddly enough, you know, I thought the same way when you asked the question to me, Keith. And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, and I, I did have to just Google her, I, I knew where she was from, but uh, Marjorie Green from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know a lot about her just because you know it's not she's giving away a 50 cal i know that well <laughs> where i'm going with this is like her heart is in the right place is where i'm going to put this but she's constantly trying to introduce new pro-gun legislation yeah. and i feel like we need more of that you know so to to kind of to your point derek i think we need more people that are pushing pro-gun legislation and maybe that's the part of the quote that we didn't catch, catch. right yeah. um so i just yeah. want to i want to unpack what you had said a little bit uh, in terms of trying to make education, pro firearms education, safety education for kids part of a school curriculum, I mean, listen, you know, my wife's a teacher and in New York, and I know I don't think that would fly, you know, but <laughs> I, but 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 it should, you know, yeah. and like, how do we make that kind of thing happen, you know? Because I agree with you, even if it's just make the kids safe it doesn't have to be i'm a pro-gun well, pro-second amendment agenda uh, your website Derek. correct me if i'm wrong eight to ten a day right die from from uh, yep. gun violence you know so if you can you know if we're talking about saving lives right if that's the reason why we have any gun legislation it's always behind saving lives like how can you not get behind the kids man yeah Right, but Absolutely. in our state, they would actually make it into like it would be like combined with how to also get rid of guns. Yeah, they, they yeah, would. It would be it would be combined with why you can't have these guns. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the str- that's the struggle that there is. I mean, obviously, we're apolitical. We're not like this. Our message is not either pro gun or anti gun. Or it's pro safety. You know, obviously, the people that know me and follow what we do, we know that we're we're a pro gun organization, but we we stay apolitical for the reason that we want to be able to reach all kids, right. not just the kids with guns inside the house. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we you know we talk about water safety. You know, every kid in the country, we teach them how to swim, right? So in in New York City, you're teaching kids how to swim because you don't want them to drown. You know, so the you know, likelihood of the, of them coming in contact with a firearm are probably greater than them drowning in a pool. And, and so that's why this education that we're doing is so, so important. Yeah. I mean, statistically, I think there's a higher likelihood of drowning in a pool. I think I've seen that statistic, but I, I get your point. You know, I have a friend who we don't agree on anything politically, um, but we're still good friends. And <laughs> It's we, not me. <laughs> we love to debate. And I have said to him, I know you hate my guns. Please. I, I've begged him, please, like, get your kid to a course that's going to teach him what to do if he stumbles onto a gun because you know not everyone's like me who has gun safes all over and locks their stuff up and you know and i've asked him and he's like he's just kind of like no i don't want to even talk about guns to my kids so while i'm on this topic can you tell us about your different classes and where they're offered and you know what do you recommend people do if the program isn't in their region well, um, you know, you guys can always follow. I mean, our goal this year, we're almost done, is that we're going to, we're trademarking copywriting and we're going to be able to roll this out across the country to people that are qualified and and want to get involved um, at a gra- grassroots level uh, to help, you know, obviously save kids and save their rights. And, you know, so we talk about, we have four separate classes. We have a, you know, a kids' firearm safety education class, uh, which has no firearms in it, but it's designed for our public schools. And so this is the one that, you know, this one would be perfect for every kid because, and we're we're also in the process of translating into um, Japanese, Russian, Spanish, you know, all American Sign Language because there's zero educational opportunities for these kids, and, and so this is a way that we're going to you know show the other side that you know we have viable solutions that will work if given the chance, and, and so we're going to keep moving forward. Um, and then, you know, we have a kids farm safety one class, which is typically held at a, you know, Bass Pro Shop or Cabela's or any other place. And this one is, you know, it's about firearms and I actually have real firearms and I'm handling firearms. And so I'm showing the kids how they work and answering any kind of questions they might have. Um, and then we also do a kids farm safety two class, which is actually on the range. 
And so with this, we're we are firing up to 75 rounds of rimfire ammunition, and we're you know giving them good good habits to 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 learn and and repetitions, you know, and, and getting them involved with the shooting sports safely. And then we have the last one, which is the hybrid class, which is a combination of the one and two all in one night. So it's a two hour class. So it's accident prevention. And then we go to the range and, and shoot there. So that was a lot of fun as well. Can you uh, give me, uh, you know, this is, a, I guess, more of a personal question. I'm sure there's some others out there that are, that are wondering the same thing, but I'm a person who's not afraid to get up and talk in front of, uh, you know, a school board, a town board, anything like that. How how could I approach something like this in 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 our school district and and try to get get them behind it? Do I do I kind of just introduce them to you or or you know? Uh, well, I think we. I mean, it's important to just identify, you know, how if you know that obviously would be be a need in that community. Um, I'd be willing to help you every step of the way, kind of you figure, gather your thoughts, you could present them in a way that they would be receptive to that. Obviously we're not walk, walking in with come and take them shirts on. And yeah, you know, we're yeah. very, we're very careful with the way we present our, our information. You know, every board that I go in front of, you know, in Oregon, Oregon's very much like, like New York. Um, you know, I get unanimous support because they understand what we're trying to do. And, and so, and, and for the most part, they might not like it, but they're receptive because of the way we present the information. And, and so I think if you were able to, you know, figure out a way to kind of break down those walls, because I know those, those board members are going to be pretty hostile in your area. Um, just because I can, I can only imagine. Um, well, fortunately for Mike and I, we live in a pretty red area. Oh, do you? I mean, okay. it's turning purplish yeah, but in but some spots, but our um, school district in particular, I see it's a little more rural, a little more small town. Correct. So it's correct. There's a little bit. I, think I mean, I more, know for a fact, there's a good portion of, of the school board members that are gun owners. Right. I'm, good. I'm, I'm, but politically, know, would they, that's the tough thing. We talk about that all the time. They don't really they, they, they talk at both sides of their mouth, you know, Absolutely. whoever they're talking to. But I do believe it could be presented in a very professional way and in a way that talks about uh, safety. And, and again, the apolitical piece, like you said, it's very important to bring all topics when you're discussing them from an apolitical position. Derek, do you ever work your way out east? I mean, I know you guys are West Coast based, but do you come to, you know, Pennsylvania, New York, those areas or you have? Absolutely. Gotten- yeah. Well, I mean, pretty much we'll go wherever. I mean, I'm, I have partners all over the country. I have partners in Pennsylvania. You know, there was talks of me going to D.C. at the end of the year to do some classes over there. Um, you know, it just it just comes down to figuring out, you know, sponsors and and and, and going like doing that. Was- that but- that was my next question. Can you give me an, an idea, a range? I don't want to put you on the spot with a dollar amount, but like, what do you charge to go into a school to do this? And do you do it over one assembly or do you split it up into different days? Like, how does that work? So the, so typically our, our, our classes are one hour long. Um, the ones that I, you know, the one I, the bill that I wrote for, you know, 801, Senate Bill 801 um, would have given us either, you know, a half hour per semester or trimester, you know, once per class, once per semester, trimester, um, which would, have, you know, would have been a, a start, you know, my goal would be to get the first grade, right? So once I build, build trust with the parents in the state of Oregon in the first grade, then I was going to go to the fourth grade because there's more stuff that we can incorporate for older children. And then I was going to go to the seventh grade and then I would have, you know, rifle teams back in the high schools. That was, that's the goal with this. If I can establish that first grade and build some credibility and, and, and develop the data, the data is the most important thing. If we, you know, we have 22,000 kids that have been through this program, zero accidents. Okay. That, mm-hmm. I mean, that's separate from the CDC. This is all our data. This is all pure. Um, yeah. You know, so we, you know, big on, on tracking of the data. And, and so, you know, that would be a, another, another part of this is just making sure that we can present everything, you know, cause that's going to increase our, you know, necessarily our, our marketability when it comes to a bigger, bigger audience, like the, the federal, I mean, why can't we, you know, Marjorie green, I, I, I like what she's doing, but she's a, she's a lightning rod and yeah. And, and so I would never, that was my point earlier is she's doing, she has the right spirit, but I, I, I agree with you. She'll never get it done. And, and so people are fed up, you know what I mean? People are fed up on both sides and, and, you know, level, level heads are (laughs) losing it. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're not, Well, that's, that's (laughs) the thing I, I, you know, when here in Oregon, you know, I, I targeted specific democratic um, legislators 
because I knew they had the authority because they had they had some seniority in our legislature. And so I was very I was very particular about who I approached. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, I had, you know, three, you know, senior, you know, Democratic senators and I had two Republicans that were my my chief sponsors and my my co-sponsors of my bill, you know, because I was I was very smart about the way we presented that because if I had too much if I had, you know, five hours on here, I mean the thing would have been dead in committee. And and yeah. so yeah, you know, that's why I would never even I like I could I could propose this at a federal level, but I would never ever tap her, you know. Yeah. You know, Nancy Nancy Pelosi would kill it, you know. So. <laughs> right. Um I really felt after researching, you know, Kids Safe, that the principles of your foundation are in complete alignment with this particular, po- what this podcast is all about. And, you know, you believe like us that a good portion of new gun owners are positive for the Second Amendment advancement. I, there's an argument that it should need to be advanced, but <laughs> we, we could talk about that in another podcast. Give us a little more detail about why you think that. Why And, and you know, personally, I, I think it's because some of the, these new gun owners don't fit the typical stereotypes of traditional gun owners, like Mike said, old white guys, old fat white guys. Um, what do you think about these new gun owners and, and how are they so positive for the Second Amendment? I kind of have a two, two-pronged approach to this where you know i'm excited i'm excited about too. the, the fre- i'm very excited about the fresh blood um and i think he's excited i think he's excited that women are the fastest growing demographic but <laughs> he's excited <laughs> you know i would i would take a woman speaking on my behalf like you know diana moeller on on my behalf over a man any day just because of the way a woman can communicate her point um, you know, the, the passion they can speak how how fear how how gun control actually affects them from a different different perspective than a man which i think is very very more powerful because now we're kind of you know le- you know leveling the, the playing field with a mom's a man type yeah and if i could if i could jump in on this really quick derek yeah the way that i feel about it with with the female demographic is i know keith is trying to make a joke but let's turn this serious of course uh, um you know I don't believe the Second Amendment is a left or a right issue. It got nope. turned into that somewhere. Yep. I I think somewhere around the seventies and, and, and I and I know Derek feels the same way. That's, yeah. You know, so absolutely. so I don't think it's a left or a right issue. I think it's a you know everyone has the right to defend their life and, and the life of their families. And the left claims to be the sort of like reasonable like you know feminist movement and. What's more feminist movement than saying women have the ability to protect themselves? They don't need a man to do it. They are very capable of doing it themselves. And we're Derek's giving, girlfriend protected and, him. And we're giving yep. them the tools to do it. By the way, are you still with this girlfriend? Is this? <laughs> no. I told, yeah. I said, sorry, honey. We'll always have the internet. <laughs> uh, <and so. laughs> but she, she did save your life. So you she know. did. She did. Yeah. All right. Good enough. So, Derek, what type of shooting do you do? Like, kind of to take it off of the foundation for me. Like, what what is your? Do you have a favorite type of shooting or sport, or is it just uh, tactical stuff? What, what do you tactical do? stuff? I'm a, I'm actually a, I'm blessed to be a full time instructor. So a lot of my shooting is is you know obviously a lot of instructing, a lot of you know tactical type stuff. I do like the three gun stuff. Um, cool. All right, get a little I, shotgun I love, in there. I, I was worried. I love rimfire. Like rimfire is my Us favorite too. Thing. And, and so, you know, one thing I forgot, I wanted to bring up about the two way thing that we we're talking about earlier is, oh, yeah, thank you. Is we're talking about diversity. I love the diversity because you, you know, Mastre, you got all these guys that are doing so much good stuff. You know, Chris Chang is doing tremendous stuff, you know. And, you know, one thing I did want to point out is, you know, there is, when we're talking about these new gun owners, I did hear an interesting podcast um, with the guy from Phoenix Ammunition where he talks about, you know, quality over quantity, right? And, and so that, re- that really resonated with me because, you know, obviously I, I love all this fresh infusion of new people, but if they're not willing to stand shoulder to shoulder with me right. to, to vote, vote that person out that might align with them politically, you know, that, you know, that's where we have to, you know, we have to, you know, work on our outreach. Well, it's, it's, it- it's so true because, you know, we've had this conversation with many people, uh, a friend of ours who's been on the show a couple of times, Frank, and, and his gun story, he's fortunate enough to see a lot of these new gun owners, uh-huh. uh, as well as Mike and I have taken new gunners out, out and we've talked about exactly what you're talking about, Derek. It's And it's kind of like, okay, now, you know, you, you came out, you had a good time, you enjoyed yourself, you, you saw the joy of shooting firearms. Now what? Now what? 
you yep. know, what do you do from here? You buy one and everything's okay today, but what if, you know, the person you traditionally would vote for is attacking your right to enjoy and continue to do this thing that you have now yeah. maybe fallen in love with? I think a few people, a couple of them have said they, they don't know what they would do. They, well, I think it's, this is so tough. And I've said it before on the show, you know, I'm a single issue voter and I, I always vote second amendment first, Right. Um, which sometimes puts you in like quite a, you know, predicament, but whatever, we'll, we'll, that's for another topic. Um, but if you have someone, I always say like, if you have someone who let's say is left leaning, they've become a new gun owner and they like their guns, they want their guns. They don't want anyone taking their guns, but they're also really, really passionate about abortion. I, I'm just throwing that yeah. out. As a, right now they have a decision to make and that is where things get kind of murky because if you're right-leaning well the kind of second amendment kind of leans that way too and you know again you can convince yourself you can convince yourself but if your topics are all left-leaning and now you have this one topic that's kind of more right-leaning well where what do you do with that is that sort of the like the bastard child of your beliefs it's like i i think like derek was saying you know we have to educate these people right Derek like how, how do we help them understand that the second amendment isn't a isn't a politicized thing right well and it's you know really it comes down to it's a good versus evil right yeah and and, and that's you know it's never been you know for me it's not a right versus left issue I mean they, they like to what they like to do is they like to keep it a right versus left issue that way they keep us in boxes that way they keep us separated yep. Um, yep. That way we don't talk to one another because they want us isolated so they can continue to stir the pot with social media and do all this negative stuff that they're doing. Um, you know, so it comes down to is, is, is we all have, you know, common goals. We all have things that are a deal breaker for us. And those are not deal breakers for us, you know? So it's really, really important is identifying that middle ground that common ground and, and figuring out a way that we can come together uh, to to save our two way rights. I mean, this is probably the probably the scariest. I mean, we've had some huge w- victories in court as of late, and and so we've had we've had some you know big wins. Um, but the thing is, is is we still have legislation that continues to be pushed. Um, you know, and so these people don't care about the courts. They just they want total control of our everyday lives. I mean, we look at look at what's happening in Australia right now. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a prime example. They gave up their two way rights. And now only the government has guns. I want to get your information out there to people. Um, I do have links in the show notes as always, but where can people find you? Um, so you can find us on our website, kidssafefoundation.org. It's two S's. Uh, you can also find us on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, you know, we're, I'm always available. If you guys have any questions, I can give you my cell phone. You guys can call me on my 800s numbers there. Um, Don't do that. Our listeners be calling it late at night. Do they? No. So Derek, listen, we have a game that we play in this show called Run and Gun, and we've never not done it, so we're hoping that you would do it with us today. Absolutely. Cool. So it's a a rapid fire game. We're going to give you 10 questions, and we want you to give us the first answer that comes to your mind. Okay. All right. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? Uh, Air 15. What gun would you buy if money was no object? A Barrett 50 cal. If you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? Uh, Carlton Heston. Mm. Favorite caliber? 22. Favorite hobby, not gun related? That's tough. (laughs) Everything I do is guns. Uh, (laughs) uh, Probably, I, I really like reloading. I don't know, but that's you, gun related, but it's not shooting. I'll count it. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Night vision. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Feared. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? Somebody that's trained. Let's mix it up. All right, guys. So tonight on Let's Mix It Up, we're going to discuss how to get kids involved in the shooting sports in a safe and engaging manner. And Derek, we figured this was right up your alley, so we would kind of throw this in as our second segment. But before we get into uh, your opinions on this, 
I want to kind of go and tell the listeners what I received this weekend. I got a, an awesome picture on my phone, and it was from the man across the table. Keith sends me this awesome picture of these two big targets, giant targets. There was a couple bullseyes, and I immediately thought, oh, I get it. You can figure the bigger the target, the easier it is to shoot. That is exactly why I chose that. <laughs> and I said, come on, I expect better from you. And then he informs me. It was, uh, the targets were actually my kids. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I got them, I got them going on BB guns this week. Uh, I, 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 they're of age to do rim fires, Derek, like, like you were doing in some of your classes, but I just, um, I don't know. I'm per, for me, my kids, I'm just, they haven't displayed enough muzzle control, enough trigger control, like for me to just be able to feel that way yet. But I did mm-hmm. get them going on BB guns this weekend and, uh, man, it was really, really fun. And uh, I got them the biggest targets possible so that I knew they would hit it. Smart. And, that was uh, smart, by the way. Yeah. And uh, got them out there with just a, what I buy, Crossman's, I think I bought. My daughter was struggling a little bit to pump it. and uh, But they both had a blast and they've wanted to do it every day since. So I've been out there two other times since this weekend. You know, the big thing was going over the gun with them before, like when they took it out of the box. Mike and I both agree this with this, that we don't, you know, we don't want to make, we want to take away the curiosity of the gun. So when I go out shooting, whether I'm shooting trap skeet, pistols with Mike or whatever, if I walk out of the house and they ask to see what I'm doing, they, they know by now what my gun bag looks like and all that stuff. I n- never don't take the time I was actually going to say, so I have not taken my son shooting yet, but he's he's my older. My daughter's uh, three. He just turned five. And at some point, he was asking, like, what's that? What's that? And it was the gun safe or it was the gun bag. And I kind of was like, oh, that's daddy's stuff. And I kind of brushed off. And at some point, my wife and I had the conversation that we have to kind of open up the the box, so to speak, and, and let him in on this because he's getting more and more curious. And I don't regret that. Like we've talked yeah. about Keith, like yep. I don't regret it because, you know, now he knows if he asks to see it, I'm most likely, unless I'm, it's, I'm pressed for time going somewhere, I'm going to stop. And if I am pressed for time, I'm going to say, buddy, later on you and me, yep. buddy. And I've taught him a couple of the basic rules that he can handle at his age, uh, that we'll build upon. But I am a little nervous to take him shooting and not because he's a, he's a super rule follower. So he would not do anything he's not supposed to do, but he's a little silly. And I just feel like when we do other things, like we wrestle in the basement, I want to do single leg takedowns. And he's like, dad, like, why don't we stretch this rubber band 10 feet and then hit each other with it? Like he just, he can't focus on the task at hand, so to speak. Right. So I struggle to kind of keep things in his wheelhouse that'll keep him interested and engaged. So Derek, that's kind of where I was hoping maybe you could help us. Keith is a little further along, but maybe kind of help us with some hints. Basics, some yeah. basic rules to start. So I think it's really, really important is, is normalizing our guns. And I like the way that you're, you know, you're having a conversation about the guns. You're, he knows your range bag, you know, and the goal is to just take away any kind of novelty. Um, yeah. I think you guys are Great. doing a solid, solid job there. Um, you know, we Typically, when we're starting rimfire stuff, is we like the kids to be, you know, seven years old because they're a little bit more mature. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe, I mean, maybe you could use, you know, shooting a rimfire as a way to incentivize him to kind of to 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 mature. You know what I mean? Say so like, there's time for play, but when we're here doing this, you know, this is really really important that we're safe at all times. We follow those four basic rules. We talk about all those the four basic rules. Um, yeah, and and so I'm big on you know, trigger discipline, muzzle discipline, you know, every, I break things in down when I'm on the line with, with young kids, I'm breaking down into small yeah. pieces um, because that way it's easier for them to follow directions when they're not overwhelmed. And if I, you know, some, if I have a Kyle Lamb type instructor or anybody else, you know, they're used to, to speaking to somebody at a higher level. I break it down to the smallest, smallest, Yeah. I mean, one of the rules, like when they were opening these BB guns, you know, they were talking about it and, and they were like, you know, can, can we keep them in our room? And I go, absolutely not. I go, they go in the safe with the rest of the gun. You know what I mean? Like, 
Yep. yep. And, uh, and, and they were cool. they were all about it. They they got when we were done for the day, they were like, OK, let's go put them away and, you know, help clean up and, and did all the right things. Then they wanted to hang their targets in the room, Mike. I, cool. I was so excited that That's they wanted cool. to hang their tar- targets in the room. You know, my, my daughter put it in the window and I'm like, oh, great. The neighbor's going to see this <laughs> <big ass> target. <laughs> the neighbors already think you're a menace. Like, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, when I my son, when I first started, like opening up the boxes, so to speak, um, you know, he was like, what's in this box? What's in that? And I say boxes. I'm talking about a, a rifle safe, a pistol safe, you know, handgun safe. And I literally opened up the box yep. and I said, son, I, you know, I put a flashlight in there. I said, you point to the one you want to see and you'll get to see it. And he was pulling out AR-15s and he was pulling out 3030s and he was pulling out, you know, whatever he wanted. And, you know, uh, in that moment, I only taught him very basic for him at a very early four years old we're talking point point it you know you don't point yeah. this in anyone you point it in a safe direction and you keep your finger off the trigger and i didn't t- make, i didn't touch make sure you make sure you're oh, you're always around. you can see it whenever you want but i need to be with you yep right yeah um so maybe like a suggestion and derek you tell me how you feel about this like my guy's little i don't know if he could shoulder a rifle you know uh, maybe doing Sorry. something like putting it in like a gun, uh, like a vice or a gun, you know, like a rest where all he has to do is basically just work the trigger control. And it, would that be a way to maybe get him or, you know, oriented and introduced to it? Yeah. So I, I really like teaching them from a seated, like a bench position, um, just because there's less likelihood of, you know, I can control the muzzle that better that way. Um, you know, they don't have to, they don't have to really hold it because we can actually, you know, you know, put the 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 foreign of the rifle on on a rest, so it makes it they only have to hold up the buttstock, and you know then that way they can cycle the bolt. They also make sure their fingers off the trigger, and they can also you know take it off safe when it's time. I wish we had you talked know, about so. this before I got my kids going because I, I I learned that the hard way. I'm I'm watching both of them struggle standing up. I mean the BB gun was perfect size for them, but the muzzle control was terrible. Right. And it's, I I go I got to put these kids in yeah. a seat. <laughs> yeah, you know, and as soon as I. Yeah, yeah, that's well. You're, you know, what it is you're you're taking away some of the uh, you're it's more control. They're well, in the, the seat, the, they're controlled, um, right? Yeah, the uh, the movement you're taking away the the ability to to have the range of movement that they they have standing up. You know, you put them in this. I put them, I sat them backwards in like a uh, a fold out chair. Yeah. you know, and they they rested on the back of the chair, and then. Um, use that to, to lean forward and it worked perfect because they weren't able to walk around. They weren't able to move, you know, so. Well, and I, I also recommend is always using safety glasses. Oh yeah, glasses no, we guns. did have safety uh-huh. glasses. Thank you for reminding me. And they, they tried to swipe me on the second day without putting them on, but I, I made them put it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's good practice because as they move up the ladder of caliber, that's something we all wear anyway. So why not get him used to like it's? I'm much better at that now in my older age than I was when I was younger, and I want my kids to be better at it. My forever. dad never preached it, to be yeah. quite honest, that I can remember. Um, but you know, like one of the things, like yeah. uh, and Derek, I don't know what you practice in terms of martial arts and stuff, but like I'll give you an example with like um, with jujitsu. It's like uh, I had a guy trying to get my son into like that sport a little bit, and he said, "Listen, man." Go and buy it. Don't don't get him like the crappy gi. Don't get him the crappy no gi. Go buy him really nice stuff. And he said because it's like it's like a suit of armor for them, right? Like if you give them the cool gear and you give them the cool stuff, they feel like man, I'm just like dad. Like I have yeah. I I have a you know blah 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 gi too. Like just like dad. Uh, so same thing with the guns. Like yeah. if you give them a, you know get them a pair of glasses and you're wearing the glasses, it's like oh man, dad's wearing them. Like I get to wear a pair too. That's great. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for the boys to sit around and shoot the shit. All right, so I wanted to move us along a little bit, and tonight on Shooting the Shit, we want to talk about safe storage solutions for your firearms. Cut me off when I start talking about shotguns, I understand. (laughs) You talk enough about shotguns. (laughs) Um, And besides, I got someone on the show that's also into tactical and AR-15, so you can sit down. (laughs) Sit down, son. So, Derek, you mentioned earlier about the safe gun legislation uh, and keeping things in safes, Mm -hmm. and... I don't think it's mandatory depending on your situation, right? So if you're a single guy living at home and, but I do believe that we have a responsibility to keep our guns secure. I I think that that's important, especially someone who has kids. And I think you have to be responsible. So I was looking through my stuff and I'm like, all right, so I have a lot of safes. (laughs) I, I have a handgun safe. I have a 
like a, a stack on like a you know 16 gun safe i think you have something similar keith a couple i have a uh safe that's built into my console my f-150 i have uh my newest thing i got a gift it's a hidden like a hidden furniture safe those are cool and i that's actually where i wanted to, what i wanted to talk about and you could talk about something if you want but we started talking about this topic you know i kind of laughed because i always laugh at these things i'm a fud i got two big gun safes and that's all i got yeah <laughs> I don't have any of this cool stuff. Well, you want it though. You want that hidden. I furniture. definitely want the con- the fur- concealed furniture stuff. I think is really cool. Derek, are you down with that stuff? The concealed furniture. Yeah, I think it it works. It serves a purpose. Yeah, my thing is this: like, I don't know where to put it because my vision is like I have it, and like, God forbid, there's ever a situation on the ground floor, it's kind of there in the living space, but. The problem I has if I want to get to it, it's also in the living space. So you know, I I have uh, you know my wife's well, had a bunch why. of friends over having wine, and I just like reach up and like you know lower a shelf and grab a gun at it. It looks a little weird. You well, know? that's why you need more than one gun. I and do have more than one gun. And more than one concealments, you yeah. know, furniture. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this, Derek? I mean, do you are you a proponent of you know locking them up, or are you like a stick it by the side of the bedside? Well, obviously for for my own lifestyle, you know, obviously I don't have kids in the house, so. You know, under Oregon law now, it's required to have all guns under under control of a lock or some sort. It's a five hundred dollar fine per gun that's not within their specs specifications. So, you know, wow. obviously, I'd pay edu- that five hundred edu- bucks. Actually, education goes hand in hand with secure storage. I think we do need to be do a little bit better as you know, gun owners to make sure that our guns don't come in contact with our kids or a criminal. You know, I, I get that, but I I I, I stop you know, short of a mandate. I think mandates are very, very dangerous because they don't, they don't, they don't serve the desired effect. I mean, you know, I know my gun owners here in Oregon, the state's going to tell me to lock up my guns. They're going to say, F you, I'm not locking up my guns, you know? Um, You know, so it's kind of counterproductive. I I think that, you know, we if you have kids, you, you definitely should, you know, practice good storage. And there's lots of great options out there on the market for, you know, storage. I store every gun that I'm not carrying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if it's not on my person, it's in a yep. safe, you yeah. know, um, I definitely need to do better for nighttime, you know, because even at nighttime, I really do. Honestly, I put everything. Is away. yours a tumbler or is it digital? It's a tumbler too. See, I mean, see, like, I, I, I practice it. I'm quick, man, but not, not quick, quick enough. Not, not that quick quick. And I've been under stressful, like, yeah. you know, thought something was going bad and you would not be quick enough. No, I, would, I know it. You know, I, I totally, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Derek. I'll, 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 so I have a friend and I, I thought this was really brilliant. You know how all of us, we spend all this time dry fire practicing mm-hmm. and everything like that. Well, my friend, he actually spends time dry fire getting into his gun. And so yeah. he'll be sitting there on a call and he'll be just working the combinations to build that muscle memory yeah. on his, his safe, which is, you know, might be a good option for you guys just to, to get that practice in. I've been uh trial by fire. I've had a false alarm where a couple times where I had to get my gun out, like was woken up out of a dead sleep. And, um, and I did, you know, I, I was able to get it pretty quick. Um, but I did have one time where like, there was a problem where like the safe malfunctioned and it was a little scary. So like these things are not perfect and there are, well, you know, I, I, it's risk reward on these yep. type of topics, I think. And uh, my kids are of the age where the risk is too high for me not to have them in the safe at night. And give them the and, thumbs up on this side. Yeah. You know, so eventually I think that will change because when, before I had kids, I had a, I was like James Bond. I had a gun under my pillow, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, Derek, what are your thoughts? So like we have, I have a friend who, you know, his son is, he's a little older. I didn't uh, really have a gun under my pillow. I, okay. It was a joke. I, just, I know. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> I have a friend who, his son has grown up around guns and he's a little older. He's probably, I mean, he might be a freshman at this point, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, something like that. And mm-hmm. like, he's told me, he's like, my son knows we shoot every weekend. He, he knows how to handle them. And he's like, he's got a gun in his room and you know, he's perfectly fine. We're perfectly fine with it. And I just don't know how I feel about it. You know, like, I mean, I guess you have to know your kid, but like, I'm, that makes me a little nervous. You know what I mean? Like I, well, what's, what's the, what's the point of that? I mean, is it for, you know, sporting purposes or is he trying to have an extra defender inside the home? I guess that'd be I my would question. Probably say both. A little bit of both, well, a little, little bit of like, you know, I don't, my kid's responsible enough. Like I, I really don't know. I just, he just doesn't, well, he tough. believes in raising his kid to respect guns. 
I don't I don't think I agree with that position because I don't think it's fair for him to put his kid in that position, right? So, yeah. you know, heaven forbid that kid has to take someone's life in defense of the family. You know, what's that going to do? Um, does that kid have the maturity to be able to handle that um, stressful situation? Also, the aftermath, if you after he pulled that trigger. Yeah, I mean, look at what's going with Kyle Rittenhouse, right? I mean, that guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that was a poor choice. Example. That was a poor decision on his part. You yeah. Know? And that's kind of what I worry about is at that age, are you are you able to make decisions like, again, like Kyle Rittenhouse is a good example. I mean, like that was a decision. Like we're not talking about like him hurting someone or him being foolish with the gun he just he thought he was doing the right thing got jammed up got jammed up you know so yeah i agree so i don't know it's a tough one for sure yeah definitely all right so i want to thank you derek for coming on the show and talking to us about the safe foundation and its mission you know it's it's a really worthwhile endeavor we got to get in our school we're gonna we're gonna be in touch with derek we definitely got to work on this yeah it's important work you know i think it benefits the entire second amendment community it's not just just the kids it obviously it's the future of the second amendment so it's man it's it's legislation that i could get behind i agree and see we thought negative (laughs) thanks for letting me explain what i meant by that yeah of course so to everyone listening we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show you can find links in the show notes to all of our social media so be sure to follow us on instagram facebook and twitter so we can keep the conversation going